Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Lock and deal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What up, Duval? Welcome to the 49th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Scott Klein. How are we doing today, Scott? Doing good. Doing good. My, my, my sports life has actually been kind of doing a turnaround a little bit. How about it? Yeah. A little off topic, but the Magic, you know, I know you know, I know you've been yeah, keeping up with them. Yeah, today. They've been playing, they've been playing really well. It's been a good sports week. The Magic beat the Heat, they beat uh, the Cavaliers, they beat the Nets, who the Nets surprisingly are doing really well this year. Uh, and the Nets' win came last night, and it was a revenge win. Their, their only loss of the season was also to the Nets. So they're 3-1. and one. Jaguars go from 3-3 three and three to 4-3. and three. Got Florida-Georgia this weekend. That's always, like, the best Saturday of the year. And then uh, I'll be going to my first concert at Daly's Place on Friday night. So that's cool to have even before Florida-Georgia. Uh, brand New's playing over there. They're one of my favorite bands from when I was a lot younger. They still put out some solid music, but... Um, definitely one of my favorite bands in like middle school and high school. And then I'm beating you in fantasy basketball right now. For so now. that's always good. For now. I'm making a comeback. <laughs> now, Scott, uh, I think we both have good teams, but I have freaking Eric Bledsoe and he's, he got kicked out of practice. He's pissed. He wants to get traded. So you're probably going to have a leg up there. Miles Turner's out. He's been, he's yeah, been he's on your on IR. Bench. You have... Yeah, yeah that's still points. a big pointer. But regardless, we're going to put our differences aside for this week, for this one night, and we'll go back to hating each other tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a fun rest of the week seeing what happens there, obviously. Aaron Gordon, 41 last night. I don't know if anybody caught that game, but he was absolutely incredible last night. Drilling threes, he had a few just ridiculous dunks. I mean, he's he's known for that, but still, these ones were pretty epic. Um so thank you, Magic, for not disappointing me for the first time in a long time through the first week of basketball. Uh, Bolt City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast, 
they'll be open for Saturday. So, you know, a lot of people walking from the landing down to the sports complex, walk by Bold City Brewery, stop in there, get some uh, Florida Georgia commemorative uh, crowlers. They have Florida and Georgia 2017 on there. Got some orange and blue, some red and black. It's pretty cool. Today they've hooked us up with two new beers and one that just makes sense because it's still October. The Oktoberfest, of course. But we've got a keg divided. Obviously, that is a play on Florida, Georgia, house divided. And then we've got a pink guava kolsch, which is really cool what they're doing over at Bold City Brewery. All the proceeds of those beer sales are going to breast cancer awareness. So make sure to stop by and uh, just grab a beer, at least of the pink guava kolsch. Grab a pint. It's just for a good cause, obviously. So shout out to them as always. Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Uh, BoldCityBrewery.com. And yeah, check them out at Roselle. Check them out on East Bay Street. Cool people. Tell them Jen Jack sent you. Now you can follow us at Scott Klein One. You can follow Scott on Twitter. He's Texas Jaguars highlights, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, I'm talking Magic, Jaguars, Star Wars, whatever, on my uh, handle over at, at Jordan DeLugo, all one word. And of course, follow Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. We've been having some fun with Instagram lately. Since we hit 10,000 followers on Instagram, we're able to put links in our stories so we've been able to do like teaser stories on our Instagram story and people are actually able to click through to the news, which is pretty cool. Um, prior to that, you couldn't do any links on Instagram. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's, it's exciting stuff. So it's Instagram <clears throat> becoming a more viable way for us to get content besides graphics and images to our, uh, to our followers and... Uh, turn Instagram followers into, you know, people getting to the website. So that's pretty cool for us. We've been having some fun with that. Um, no Jaguar game this week. So we're not going to have a watch party or a uh, home game tailgate, obviously. But we do have some exciting news to announce. Uh, we're going to be doing some Forever Teal shirts. Uh, the Jaguars are going to be wearing t their teal alternate jerseys for the first time since 2013 on November 5th against the Bengals. It'll be the first time, or excuse me, the second time they've ever worn those alternates in the time span of this uh, era of jerseys, I guess you could say, or rendition of their jerseys. All signs are pointing to new jerseys next year, so this will be the first or last time we see this version of the teal jerseys, which will be cool. But there's supposed to be more teal coming in the next uh, set of jerseys that the Jaguars will come out with for 2018. And hence the Forever Teal. We're going to have Forever Teal shirts at our tailgate on November 5th. And the first uh, 25 fans to show up to our tailgate will get a free Forever Teal shirt. It's just a teal shirt, white, white riding, Forever Teal. But uh, just to kind of honor that day and... We are excited about teal, man. Like, teal yeah. is the Jaguars color. We talk about this a lot. Gold and black are important. I love them as the accent colors, but teal should be the main focus. And it, and it always was yeah. in the beginning. You know, it, I, you always think of the teal jerseys. Um, that's immediately what sticks out in my mind when I think back, you know, as my 
lifetime yeah, as a Jaguar about fan. Jimmy, Fred, all those guys. Yeah. Even the awful home. Blaine Gabbert jerseys. Yeah. They, they, yeah, our regular jerseys back then yeah. were teal. You're absolutely right. Um, but I mean, Mojo make, made those look good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes did every once in a while. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's cool that there's going to be a, kind of a revamp. Um, I'm excited. I'm sure a lot of people are excited. Yeah, new, a lot of people new helmets. are ready to get rid of that uh, <laughs> yeah. two-tone faded helmet for sure. So, yeah, I mean, we're excited about that. Again, the first 25 people to show up to our next home game tailgate, November 5th, against the Bengals. We're kind of try- trying to kind of encourage, you know, a teal out, if you will, in the stadium. I think that'd be really cool. So we're going to be giving away 25 teal shirts for that game to the first 25 people to show up at our tailgate. You need more information about our tailgates that can be found online at gemjack.com. And we've got a lot to get into today. The Jaguars are coming off a huge performance against the Colts, just destroyed them. Uh, we're going to look at the remaining schedule, kind of try to figure out what we think is going to happen with the rest of the Jaguars season. Look at the state of the Jaguars now. Look around the AFC South, and we'll get into a lot more than that. PFF minute, keep one, let one walk. So it's going to be a fun show, and we're going to do some questions, some fan questions for the first time in a while. Uh, we got some questions from uh, our Twitter uh, posts that we're going to answer for Brandon and Underman. Not sure what that means, but... <laughs> it means under, something. Underman, we are going to answer your question today. So, Cam Robinson went down with the uh, ankle injury in the first quarter of the Jaguars, went over the Colts. It was less than a quarter after Leonard Fournette went down with an ankle injury. So you got your first and second round pick from 2017, both going down with ankle injuries within a quarter of each other. Luckily, Cam Robinson's MRI came back clean. Hopefully he'll be able to play week nine. Looks like Leonard Fournette should also be able to play week nine. So two big scares within less than a quarter of each other because both those guys are starting and playing at elite levels. Cam Robinson might not be an elite level for a veteran, but certainly for a rookie left tackle, he's playing about as good as it gets. Yeah, and you can argue, I mean, getting a little ahead of myself with the Colts game, but you could argue we were without our four best offensive players against the Colts this weekend. Wait, you had Allen Robinson, who's been out. Yeah. We're going to be out for the whole season. Brandon Linder, are cl- those are clearly, well, you throw in Leonard Fournette, those are one, two, three. And... You could argue Cam Robinson's been the next guy right yeah. there. Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. So, I mean, just being able to lose, not being able to lose, but it, it ending up... with Stan losing those yeah, guys. And yeah, and come out great. and put a, put a performance like they did. Right, and uh, let's just go ahead and get right into the Colts. So, the Colts aren't a good team, but... They had been playing decent football heading into their matchup with the Jaguars. They had beaten the Browns and the 49ers, which, yeah, those teams suck, but the Colts suck too. So they were able to take down both of those teams. They went toe-to-toe with the Titans for you know an entire game. They were close to beating the Titans. They were actually winning for a lot of the game against the Titans. Granted, Marcus Mariota was uh, hobbled, but Mariota had a fantastic game from the pocket, and they were still able to stick with them. So, the Colts are bad, but they are not as bad as the Jaguars made them look. The Jaguars played great football. Yeah, just everywhere. Total domination. Let's go ahead and just start with uh, start with the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it was it was a game to where you would you should expect him to excel against a team like this, but in the past hasn't been able to take advantage of weaknesses really. And so just coming not consistently, not consistently, he'd have his games like obviously Baltimore, but he wasn't expected to do that in Baltimore, right. and it just came out of nowhere. This is a team you looking at it expected him to be able to do something. Yeah, they did. had the worst passing defense league, giving up huge plays. Yeah, but he hasn't shown to be able to take advantage of it, and he it was masterful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was a fantastic. Great game. Uh, first half performance was just awesome. Finished with 330 passing yards, a touchdown. He was one of the highest rated quarterbacks by PFF this week, and he was the highest, uh, he earned the highest quarterback rating of any quarterback in football this week. So that's really impressive. Um, the Jaguars had six explosive plays prior to that game. They had only had nine on the year, so they got two thirds of their explosive <laughs> plays just right there. Pretty impressive. Uh, the receivers played well. Yeah. You know, Alan Hearns is the first Jaguars receiver to get over 100 yards receiving this year. Lee had 72 yards on four catches. Keelan Cole got involved finally. He might have had a touchdown if Bortles' uh, ball was a little bit uh, better thrown, but it was a little behind Cole. Cole was still able to make the adjustment, despite some contact, was still able to catch the ball and come down with a 52-yard catch. He made another catch later in the game. Uh, really impressive stuff by that guy. You, you'd like to see him get more involved in the future, have some more responsibility placed on his shoulders. And then Mercedes Lewis, he comes through with another big touchdown, his fourth of the year. He's just a fantastic target to throw the ball up to in the red zone, and Bortles delivered a perfect strike in the back of the end zone to him uh, where it was just simply high enough that no one else on the field is going to get to it besides Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I want to touch back on the on the Cole um, pass. Um, like you said, if it was better thrown, it, w- it would have been a touchdown. Um, but a lot of times when there's those jump balls that are underthrown, the defender can be able to get back into the play and make make life difficult for yeah. the wide receiver. But I see I saw him do something that not a lot of receivers do, is he actually slowed down and kept his body between. The defender and the ball, yeah, to basically just box him out and yeah, didn't it give him a chance. The, his bo- use of his body to slow down the defender from coming through him was really nice. A lot of times, encouraging. Sign. Yeah, a lot of times they'll just the receiver will just kind of turn around and kind of backpedal up to it. Yeah, but he he basically was playing basketball and just boxing his defender out and being the only one to make be able to make a play on the ball. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a veteran move you would yeah. expect from somebody. <laughs> with a bit more experience. But Cole showed us some stuff in preseason before kind of falling off with some drop issues. And then he obviously struggled to start the season here. Wasn't He was placed in a position that he really wasn't ready for with the Allen Robinson injury and D.D. Westbrook injury. So good to see him get back on the right page. Good to see Allen Hearns have a big game. He seems to always have just one of those slippery catches on the sideline yeah. against the Colts. Uh, this time he wasn't able to score a touchdown, but it just looked like he wasn't going to be able to get the ball. Uh, and, of course, he sneaks out with it and goes streaking down the sideline. Uh, so that's always fun to see from Alan Hearns. He's not... He's not... 
a uh, fantastic wide receiver by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes he just really gets the job done, and he did it this week. Kind of just a grinder yeah. who is just a, a tough guy who can make the difficult catches, and every now and then he'll just make one spectacular play, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he's, he's pretty darn good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Speaking of someone who uh, you're not really expecting to yeah. have spectacular plays... Who's our next guy on here? Well, I mean, the obvious candidate, TJ Yeldon. <laughs> I mean, who didn't see that coming? Um, it was it was unreal seeing him back on the I mean, he looked he looked good. He was making good decisions. I mean, he looked better than good. Yeah. He looked <laughs> fantastic. But I mean, even on even on that one, we'll call it a breakaway, but there was I think a fifty two yard run or something like that. Man. He was was not the, he's not the fastest guy. It looked kind of, it looked like he was moving in slow motion, but he got it done. Um, and it's it's exciting to be able to have basically the third guy, well, lately the fourth guy, because he hasn't even been active. Right, this was his first active game this year. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting to see, and it begs the question, are we going to see more of him? Yeah, it does. Um, I thought he did look faster. You know, I think in other, and maybe in the past seasons, that defender would have not made him just dive into the end zone, but might have tackled him prior to him getting into the end zone. And, um, you know, he showed good burst. We've always known he's had good burst, which is, you know, short area quickness and speed acceleration. He's always had that uh, in the whole you know, kind of squirting through. But uh, he showed some power, some speed, vision. Uh, 122 yards on 13, or excuse me, on nine carries, 13 yards per carry, 58-yard touchdown. And even before the 58-yard touchdown, he was still averaging like six yards a carry. Right, you take that out, it's still just an awesome performance by, by a guy that... Many expected to be traded or released or, you know, not really be with the Jaguars at this point. I would like to point out the fact that I've been a TJ Yeldon supporter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the TJ Yeldon fan club. I don't think he's a fantastic starting running back. Mm-hmm. But what I think he is, is a great third down back that uh, in, in a tough spot, he can come in and not just be a third down back, but can come in and carry the load for a little bit. Obviously, the uh, the Colts weren't ready for what he had that day. They were ready for Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory had 17 carries, 47 yards of fumble. But, uh, yeah, TJ Yeldon was unstoppable. I think that the Jaguars made a mistake not having him active this year prior to this game. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to defend that. Let me tell you. Let me Let me ask you something. Do you think this kind of opens the door for the Jaguars to maybe – Take some phone calls about one of their uh, one of their backup running backs. As far as the trade Certainly goes, it doesn't hurt. Uh, there's definitely some teams out there that could use Ivory or Yeldon services. I would be surprised if they wanted to trade either of them because even with this nice performance and with some of the nice performances Chris Ivory's had this year, what do you get for him? Mm-hmm. And unless it, it's a package deal for some you know, impact quarterback or wide receiver. And even then, like, it seems like the Jaguars are content. 
Hey, in both places. We got a. I think it was a sixth round pick for Blaine Gabbert. Anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, but do you really just want to get rid of two guys that could actually help your offense in a pinch this season for a sixth round pick? I would say T.J. Yeldon going into the off season. I think I believe it's a contract year. If you don't think you're going to bring him back, maybe get get something out of him to move forward. Yeah, I don't like the move. I think uh, you've got a team that wants to rely on the run. Make sure your running back group is as good as it can be. and mm-hmm. It is as at its best when you have all four of those guys. And that's a good point. The The offense that they have, Leonard Fournette's going to be carrying the ball a lot. Yeah, Chris Ivory's even going to get injured. Yeah. It can happen to any of these guys. They're going to be touching the ball a lot. And, uh, you know, Fournette... He could get tired down the stretch a little bit, heading into the playoffs. Maybe the Jaguars get on a run and they want to um, try to continue to win games, but try to rest Fournette a little bit more or rest Ivory a little bit more. You never know what happens. I want to keep all those running backs. But I don't know. I'm a running back quarter. I do it in fantasy football <laughs> as well. Can't help myself. Uh, again, Chris Ivory had the fumble. He's had fumble issues in the past. This was his... First really blatant offense this year, but something to keep an eye on moving forward. You know, if TJ Yeldon continues to play really well and Chris Ivory has another game where he gets a fumble, you might see a power shift. I don't know. And and it was in a spot where against another team, you'd probably go, uh-oh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's getting close to halftime. We have all the momentum. All of a sudden, the ball changes hands. They get yeah, points. If the Jaguars lose that game... Yeah. Everyone's pointing their fingers at Chris Ivory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no no question about it. The game was already getting away from from the Colts. So, it and obviously they couldn't do anything on offense. So, it didn't kill us. But it continues the pattern that we've seen where it can get kind of sketchy. Yeah. No doubt. So, to the dominant side of the football, the regularly <laughs> dominant side of the football. Obviously, the offense had an amazing day against the Colts, but the defense mm. get us going. It's it, to me, it it just starts to look. I don't want to say pedestrian, but just normal. And I feel like I didn't appreciate how dominant these guys were because it just looked so so easy for them, so smooth. Nothing was available the entire day. Um, Brissett couldn't even when he did when he did get rid of the ball, he wasn't able to complete anything. No. Um, he when he wasn't able to get rid of the ball, he would just pump fake and pump and try and wait for guys to get open, and then the sack start rolling. Right. And it was just it. You can see how the defense is built to feed off of one another. Where Doug Marone in an interview earlier today was. I've never seen a good defensive line without a great secondary behind them. Yeah, and that was a great point. Uh, nobody's uh, not giving the Jaguars secondary credit. Yeah. You know, everyone's acknowledging Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye and Tashawn Gibson and Barry Church and Aaron Colvin as the nickel. Everyone, Everyone's realizing it. But, they don't get you st- know, they, don't get stats they aren't putting up record numbers. The Jaguars' front seven is. Or mm. front... Four, really. Actually, front seven. Ramsey and Boye might have a, a little well, argument with very, you. <laughs> well, they're not putting up record numbers of interceptions or True. pass breakups. Yeah, they're not allowing anything to anyone, but <laughs> yeah. that, that's not tangible. 
yeah. sack is tangible, so people are going to gravitate towards that. Um, Calais Campbell, he's on pace to set the NFL single-season record for sacks. The team as a whole is on pace to do the same, to break the Bears' 84 record. Calais Campbell to break Michael Strahan's record. The uh, eighth wonder of the world, Michael Strahan's gap there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love Michael Strahan. I say that in jest. I think he's funny and... He was a great player to watch. Yeah, he's on TV. And he was very tour. candid back in, <laughs> yeah. when he was a player. He was candid, which obviously has helped him transition over to whatever it, he does now on TV. It's just it's crazy to me looking at the sheet and just go to see how long the list is between of all the people that got in on the sack party. I mean, yeah, the <laughs> average Jaguar fan doesn't know a couple of these guys. Yeah, they're all like uh, Eli Anku. Just a big Most people don't know who backup he is at all. Defensive tackle. Um, diehard Jaguar fans and maybe casual to a little bit more than casual Jaguar fans will know Sheldon Day, obviously. He had a great game. Yeah, he really did. And we're not going to bury the lead on just how good it was. <laughs> but he was able to get a sack. Unique Ngakwe got two and a half sacks. Calais Campbell, two sacks. Dante Fowler, a sack and a half. Malik, Malik Jackson and... I've been kind of harsh on him this year. He hadn't been getting it done in terms of run defense as much as he had been in the past. Neither had Avery Jones, for that matter. And Malik had... His numbers were a little bit down in terms of stacks. He's a defensive tackle. So, you know, defensive tackles aren't expected to get 10 sacks. But last year, Jackson got six and a half. Better people around him this year. You want to see his numbers go up. Obviously, it's easier to get... Easy to get overshadowed when you're playing next to the guys he's playing next to, but he got a sack and a half, which was really good to see. Uh, Miles Jack got a sack. Barry Church to Sean Gibson both had half sacks. Anku had the half sack. I mean, it was a party. Yeah, and and touching on back or routing back to Malik Jackson, um, he last year he was the guy. Yannick Ngakwe was. Was performing. He was coming well, on, but, but he did. He, Ngakwe wasn't playing nearly as consistent as he is this yeah. year. So I mean, he about. he was basically the source of our pass rush. Yes. And this year, he's got a multitude of guys around him that can pick up the slack. So he's not necessarily maybe designed to just be pass uh, rushing the passer. Uh, maybe he's just trying to eat up blocks in the middle to get one on one. Matchups for the guys outside, so they can start eat. Yeah. They can just eat and feast on these quarterbacks. So I mean, I was I, I like to watch Malik Jackson just because people have been knocking him a little bit here and there, just because he's not putting up the big numbers. Yeah, I mean he's a ninety regularly. million dollar man. People expect to see numbers, and he should put up numbers. And, and know, yeah, he's he, doing that. Now. He seems like almost a forgotten man on the Stevensville line, yeah. but he's everyone to is. People are always going to be more excited about your edge defenders, especially when they're putting up (laughs) these sack numbers. Uh, So, yeah, you're absolutely right. He can be forgotten. And I think think that uh, when the run game, run defense doesn't do as well, it's much easier to blame Malik Jackson than it is an edge defender Mm -hmm. or Avery Jones than it is an edge defender because, you know, they're the guys that are paid to stop the run. Yeah. Uh, Malik now has three sacks, so I mean, he's on pace for over six sacks again, which from the defensive tackle position. Yeah, you love that. That's great. 
it'd be cool to see him get his own personal record, and he wants to do that. He's a guy that keeps track of stats like that. Uh, he wants to get more than six and a half this year, so it'd be cool to see him get like seven or eight. Man. And he very well could. He can have a, he he can easily have a game where he goes out and gets you know two to four sacks. He better hurry he up. Clay is and unique. Don't wait. They don't they wait don't. to get to the quarterback. You're he's right. got to hurry up. You're right, but he's a guy capable of doing it and getting into the run defense. That's been one of the biggest bugaboos for the Jaguars this year. Stopping the run, they were able to stop the run pretty damn effectively in this game. You see 96 yards, and you think, well, they almost allowed 100 yards, first of all. In the NFL, if you allow under 100 yards rushing, that's a plus. Second of all, Brissett did most of that damage. He had 31 yards yeah. rushing. Uh, and then Mack, their rookie, he had a 14-yard run. So you take away Brissett's rushing yardage and uh, that 14-yard run by Mack, and you're looking at an average of under three yards a carry for the Colts and about 50-something yards. Yeah, and I mean... Like what they did on on Max run, they they do they they still have good football players. Yeah, I mean Frank Gore is one of the all time greats. Um, Max showed I this is the first time I actually got to see him play, and it showed. I mean he's he's quick. You know he's he he seems like he he can be a playmaker to kind of expand upon. Maybe when Andrew Luck comes back, if if it's this year, but I mean. The, there's you still see some weaknesses. I sent uh, we were texting with Hunter um, earlier, and there was the four, we were Shout looking out to Hunter. We forgot yeah. to do that at the beginning of the podcast. Our third co-host still not with us. Coaches in high school football. He'll be back soon. Hopefully not too soon though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully he gets to continue coaching for a little while. They can keep winning some games over there at Creekside. But um, follow him on Twitter. At yeah. Coach H <laughs> underscore Evans, but um, yeah, we were we were just talking in the text, and the basically they motioned the tight end across the formation that moved the linebackers um, to Sean Gibson was supposed to fill in on the other side of the line. It looks like he got sucked in a little bit, and then all of a sudden there's six yards between Unique Ngakwe and the defensive tackle, and no one's there to fill the gap. Yeah, and so it's just simple things like that where there's all of a sudden these huge gaping holes where you assume that somebody's designed to fit in there and it's just for whatever reason it's just a mental lapse that they're not doing it they're just maybe getting drawn in to the wrong place or or something like that yeah it can be frustrating to watch when you really sit there and break it down with the running the run defense at times but overall they cleaned up a lot against the Colts uh, the Colts tried to run the ball despite being down. They still ran the ball plenty of times. Couldn't throw it. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, good for the run defense. Obviously, good showing. And, you know, Josh Lambeau, let's just, uh, you know, three cheers for Josh Lambeau. Yeah. We get a kicker in here. Free agent kicker. Got cut by San Diego offseason. Um he was their starter for two years. He had decent accuracy in terms of uh, short yardage and PATs. He had a good leg in terms of the kickoff. And he comes into Jacksonville. He hits both his field goals. He hits his extra points. And he uh, doesn't allow uh, any any kick returns, I believe, either. 
He definitely got a few touchbacks. Yeah, so. seems like he's excited to be here. You know, talking yes, on, like absolutely. on all on Twitter, just saying how, how excited he is to be in Jacksonville. So I mean, cool. Yeah, you keep doing you, Jess Lambo. <laughs> absolutely, keep it up, my man. Now we are going to get into questions of the week segment here. We're going to answer some Twitter questions from our fans. Um, this segment. Presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag Podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. So, we're going to start with the first person who asked us a question, Brandon, at the Brandon Joyce. If the Jags D gets double-digit sacks again, can we start comparing them to the legendary Bears D? Whew. Yes. <laughs> I mean, sure. So, the Jaguars and the Bears and the Jets, 67 Jets, 84 Bears, 2017 Jaguars. Only three teams in NFL history to record multiple double-digit sack games in a season. So, that's where the question's starting to come from. And the Bears, D84, is the defense that holds the NFL single-season sack record that the Jaguars are on pace to break. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I'm at we're at the disadvantage of never really seeing them play. So basically, we just this is the only way that we can compare them is the stats. Um, it looks promising. <laughs> I mean, we're seven games into the season. Yeah, um, the final chapter is yet to be written. We're not even halfway. Final there. few chapters. Yeah. So I mean, there's a long way to go, but. If they keep going at the pace they're going, and they, they well, do... Well, I mean, the question is specifically, if the Jags D gets double-digit sacks again. Not which, if they continue playing well. We play the Colts again? If they get double-digit sacks again, absolutely in my book. You know, that's 30 sacks in three games. Yeah. That's... <laughs> that is insane. That's almost... That would be almost be half what the record is. I mean, even if they don't get to double-digit sacks again, we can obviously compare them, assuming they keep doing well. Mm-hmm. But... If they get to that double-digit sack again in a, in a single game, it starts to become to the point where even if they don't break the sack record, this is going to be a defense people talk about forever. I, I would say if we start to gradually see the rush defense get better, then yes, without question. There is a weakness on this team that I don't know that the Bears defense had. Yeah. Um, the pass defense, I'll put them up against anybody. Current, past, time, yeah. whoever. The the pass rushers, yeah. They're doing an amazing job against some poor opponents, but they're NFL players, and they haven't been dominated. It hasn't been poor opponents uh, week in, week out. No. Our two biggest performances, yes, were against substandard offensive lines, but, you know, that's football. That's yeah. the NFL. So, I mean... As a, a defense as a whole, I'd like to see their rushing numbers go down. Obviously, everyone would. Um, but when you start breaking it down to position groups, yeah, you could absolutely believe it. Pass rushing, they've got the numbers. They're on pace to beat them. Yeah. So why aren't they? The, the, the pass defense, as far as in the backfield, nothing's happening. Yeah. So breaking it down, it's crazy to say, but yeah. They compare to one of the best defenses of all time. 
And that's insane to it say. It's crazy to think about. And just the amount of turnovers they've been able to produce. Uh, they're really a game-wrecking defense. And it's shown in four of their seven contests so far. Uh, you want to see that come through a little bit more consistently, but we'll get to that a little bit more in a little bit here. Second question comes from Underman08. Thanks for the question. Uh, I think he's mistyped here, but he says, will we beat the Titans and go 1-1 one and one against them again? Uh, that is a great question. The Titans matchup is the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. They The Jaguars got... Their asses handed to them in the second half of the Titans uh, game earlier in the season, the second week of the season, coming off the big win at Houston, first game at Everbank Field of the season, and you know it was just a stink fest for the Jaguars in the second half. Uh, will they beat the Titans? I think they need to beat the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the two teams' seasons are just lining up so perfectly for that last game of yeah. the season to be like the division deciding game. Um, the Titans have their bye week this week. We have our bye week. It's just like too perfect. They're both four and three. Uh, if it does come down, you know, to where both teams have the same record heading into that game, uh, if the Jaguars win, they're in. Mm-hmm. They're the AFC South champion. If the Titans are a game ahead of the Jaguars, uh, the Jaguars can win that game and then tie the division, obviously. And if it's a head-to-head tiebreaker, I'm not even sure what the second tiebreaker is because if it's two teams tied for the division championship, it's head-to-head record. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're one and one I guess it would then go to division record. So the Jaguars need to do work against the Texans and Colts again. So these divisional games, they're the biggest games of the year. Yeah. Even if you see the Texans and Colts and you're like, oh, whatever, they're not very good. Most people aren't going to say that about the Texans right now. They might after they play the Seahawks this week. But uh, (laughs) it'll be really interesting to follow the rest of the season. So getting back to the main question, will they beat the Titans and go one-on-one again? I I don't know. I think they really need to. Do you think that they should beat the Titans if they play the Titans again? I think that right now the Jaguars are playing better football than the Titans. Yeah, I mean, they to me, they're really... Kind of trending down. They are. At this I mean, point. They like, barely beat the Colts in week six. They really barely beat the Browns in week seven. They had to go into overtime and win 12 to nine. Couldn't score a touchdown on the Browns' defense. I mean, yeah, the week before they lost to the Dolphins without right. Marcus Mariota. The Dolphins are now surging, but you know, uh, they, they got blown out by the Texans. Yeah. And with uh, yeah, Deshaun Watson blowing destroyed. up. Um, so, I mean, they got their doors blown off by the Chiefs when they were playing well. They got beat by the Raiders. So, I mean, the team's best win is uh, against us. They yeah, did beat, it is. They did beat the Seahawks in a close game. Yeah. But, I mean, they Marcus Mariota hasn't been the same guy. He's clearly not. No, their pass team. offense struggled against the Browns. On paper, I say the Jaguars should win. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the Jaguars have the mental makeup to win, but there's just something about the Titans. Um, And I think think it might get to them again. I think that, you know, if things start going the wrong direction in that game, that the Jaguars might wilt 
even though I don't think they'll wilt against many teams. I actually wrote today that I, I believe that the, the Jaguars, in order to become a real contender, regardless of whether that game comes down to the division championship, they need to win that game for their own, mm-hmm. uh, their own acknowledgement to know that they can beat the Titans, to know that they're the best team in the division, to know that they can beat a team that beat the snot out of them for two quarters earlier in the season. And I want to note, I want to take a look back at the first couple of games of the season. A big part of those games were penalties, especially in the Tennessee game. And the penalties have slowed down. Yeah. As the year goes on, it's been less and less of an issue without a couple crucial penalties starting off on first down when you're looking at first and 15 or first and 20 on a consistent basis in the second half, they were shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly. Yeah, they did. So as they've seemingly cleared that up. The offense is getting into more of a groove. Um, you'd like to see them be more consistent, but things, I mean, it's going to be an exciting look just knowing that that's at the end of our schedule and could potentially decide the division. Yeah. I, I do think we should be able to to pull it out. Um, our defense is better than their defense. Um, hopefully, Marcus Mariota never really gets his feet back under him and struggles to to really build on the year. But it's it's going to be exciting just watching it unfold. It will be. It'll be a fantastic finish to the season if things go the way we think they might. We'll get into that a lot more here in a little bit. Uh, looking forward at what the Jaguars have in front of them. That's obviously a preview of the very end, but we'll get we'll get into all the meat in between now and the Titans game. But before we do that, state of the team. Obviously, we've kind of touched on all this stuff already, but the Jaguars have an elite pass defense. Uh, you don't throw the ball on Jalen Ramsey or AJ Boye, which that, that doesn't leave you much to throw on. You've got Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson, both men in the middle. They're doing great. Uh, great things in in run defense and in pass defense. The team still does have a bit to prove against the run as a defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people are considering them the best defense in football. I think that's fair just because in four games they've actually absolutely wrecked the opposing offense. Uh, in the Rams game, they really kind of wrecked the opposing offense for most of the game as well and got a defensive touchdown called back on them. So you look at that, five out of seven performances of absolutely wrecking opposing offenses. And even in the Jets game, they, they didn't allow the Jets offense to do pretty much yeah. anything. They scored a defensive touchdown. Uh, it's a great defense. But the run defense must improve. They're giving up a lot of yards on the ground. They did better this week. Uh, they've really done better in two of the last three weeks against the run. But Todd Gurley was able to get five yards a carry, and it wasn't off any big carries. That's what concerns me. They got to get rid of the little bot. Well, they really got to get rid of the little body blows against really good running backs like Todd Gurley, mm-hmm. and then against just average backs like the Jets possess. Don't give up the big stupid play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gosh. So yeah, the run defense still has. Still has a lot to prove. The run defense hasn't put together two solid performances in a row yet. The whole team, really. Well, the team in parts has, but right. on a whole, it's still a matter of not 
underestimating. But on the offensive side of the ball, I just I, I look at it differently because on defense, you know these guys should be able to stop the run. Yeah, Malik Jackson and Avery Jones should be elite run defenders. Calais Campbell should be an elite edge run defender. Dante Fowler is a really good run defender. Miles Jack, Paul Puzlesny, Telvin Smith, those guys are supposed to be good against the run. Barry Church, good against the run. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's a physical guy against the run at, at corner. So, I mean, this is a defense that should not struggle against the run. They've got to stay gap sound and not get too eager to get to the quarterback, in my opinion. And I think you could see the Jaguars' sack numbers greatly reduce, but their defense as a whole get better if they can stop the run. Yeah. Hmm. And and to be honest, it should be it shouldn't be something where it's such an issue because you feel comfortable with the guys you have in the secondary. Exactly. So that we really need to see that from the Jags defense and really if they wanna if they wanna get to the playoffs and really get going this year, they're gonna have to put together that uh, solid run defense multiple games in the in a row. Uh, we know on offense they're going to just try to dominate with the run game. They've been able to do that most of the time so far this year. Leonard Fournette's having a monster rookie season, one of the best backs in football, easily. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris Ivory's a good backup. In my opinion, TJ Hilden's a good backup. He kind of backs that up this week. Yeah. If you like Corey Grant as the scat back, you know, get him in space and let him just run. So this is a dominant running game. The offensive line can block pretty well for the run. They're improving, in my opinion, in that department greatly. Uh, and that's what the Jaguars are going to try to do on offense. They do need a more consistent uh, passing attack. Yeah. Uh, Bortles, Bortles, despite uh, having some really poor performances, has, has had some really nice performances. So I would say we don't need to see the fact that he can have 300 yards against the team. We need to see the fact that he can have games where he can convert on third down yeah. in crucial situations. Things of that nature more than total statistics. Yeah, to me, it's going to be more of a situational basis. If he's struggling on first down, but in crunch time, when you know we need six yards for a first down, we can potentially count on him being able to actually throw a catchable ball yeah um that's where you want to see him improve it doesn't like this the stat line like he's shown his sophomore year the stat lines are kind of they can last positives yeah i mean they can look great after the game but watching the game you could be like this guy hasn't done anything oh you, you know he had a couple big plays there at the end but as a whole you just don't it leaves a bad taste in your mouth yeah, I'm with you there. And the receivers, they have been uh, doing their part and kind of leading to the negative uh, negative passing game. They've been dropping 5% of Blake Bortles' passes, which is among the worst in the NFL. Marquise Lee has a ton of drops on the year. And uh, they just they need to get it together. Obviously, they were able to do that against the Colts. You'd hope that they'll be able to carry that positive momentum through the bye and then uh, going against the Bengals. But we'll get to that Bengals game a little bit more later. Before I forget, I have one more thing that I meant to bring up during the Colts uh, recap. Quincy Wilson. How, what, I don't know what is going on with him. How is he not able to get even activated 
I don't know. He's the most. For most people, he was a first round pick. Uh, He ended up being a second round pick. I don't know what his deal is, man. It shocks me how he doesn't make of all teams on a terrible pass defense. Yeah, he can't get on the field. Just I, I was watching the game and that just baffled my mind. Yeah, it's something else. Obviously, a story to monitor as we move forward throughout the season. So, need more consistency from the passing game, from Bortles, from the receivers, from everyone. But, if there's one great thing about the structure of the way the season's going for the Jaguars, this bye week comes at a perfect time. They get time to rest Leonard Fournette's ankle, Cam Robinson's ankle. Perhaps get uh, Brandon Linder back from this illness. And then also... D.D. Westbrook is eligible to return. This is my most exciting thing. Uh, Westbrook able to return after the bye week. So that's going to be fun to watch. They're going to be getting a lot of players back that can really contribute. Yeah, and I mean, in years past, the bye week for me has always been like, all right, I get a breather. I get to go out and actually have fun on a Sunday (laughs) and, and... and hang out with my family and not worry about stupid football. But now it's just like, do I really have to wait a week before the before I can watch another Jaguars game? Yeah. It's like, it's is this what good man. football teams deal with? Yeah. Is the anticipation of getting back on the football field? Before it was a break. Now it's just an annoyance. Yeah, I'm with you. I would I would very much like to see a Jaguar game this Sunday. Uh, final thing, state of the team, the uh, trade deadline is October 31st. Are there any trades you want the Jaguars to make? I don't think the Jaguars are going to do anything. But if you were Dave Caldwell or Tom Coughlin, who would you be making calls about? I mean, the biggest story, or one of the big stories in the NFL is what is going on with Martavis Bryant. Yeah. That's he's not, even, he's not even going to be active for this game. Call him up. If you can give up, I know they said they're not they're not trading him. If you can give up a fourth or lower, pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, have a guy with that talent. Yeah, he's got off the field issues, but he's at he's in a contract year. If something goes wrong, you're not tied to him. But that's a guy. I might who, give up a third round pick. Yeah, him. he's. I mean, you want to talk about transforming. A passing game after the bye week. Yeah. You add Martavis Bryant, just an absolute freak physically, and Dee Dee Westbrook, who's a speedster. These are two guys that can stretch the field. Not only can they stretch the field, but you can just get the get them the ball in space, screen plays, mm-hmm. uh, reverses, different things like that. These are guys that can change your offense. Yeah. That's it, it, it's the biggest glaring. Mike Tomlin uh, says <laughs> that Martavis isn't available, but how are you going to say a guy that is being deactivated is not available? It's yeah, He's available. It's crazy to me. Um, this, I mean, it might, this might be a week of transactions in-house as well. Could we potentially see a couple of re-signings as far as, Guys on the team maybe getting extensions. That'd be nice. You'd like to see Telvin get it for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Brandon Linder, I think you have to wait now at this point for Brandon like to re-sign him. 
Oh well, yeah, he's already resigned. Oh, is he? Yeah, sorry, he resigned. He signed during the offseason. Yeah, you're right. You're but right. I mean, this is this this would be the time for Telvin Smith. Um, probably, the, I mean, they've probably been in talks with Allen Robinson. Um, it's he; those two are clearly going to be the next two guys up. Yeah, I don't know. Does A Rob get a deal during the season though, because of the, the franchise tag? I mean, that's always been linked to him. Um, but yeah, I mean. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we do hear something this weekend, you know, guys, agents are, you know, hey, there's no game going on, I, I got you for a weekend. <laughs> or any wide, I mean, we talk about Martavis, honestly, like, there's a lot of wide receivers that would make the Jaguars wide receiver group better right now. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to come in and have an immediate impact, and they probably will stand pat, but... I did see that. I think the Bears traded for Dontrell Inman. Yeah, from he from was San a guy. Diego. I think Mike K had talked yeah, about. Yeah, they only gave up a six round pick too. I think that's crazy. So that was good for the Bears. He's their best receiver already. Um, so yeah, we would probably do some stuff, but don't think the Jaguars will. And that's all right. They have the right not to, and uh, they're four and three, so can't really complain too much. So let's look around the AFC South real quick. The Jaguars are off. They're tied with the Titans on top of the division at 4-3. and three. Titans hold the tiebreaker right now. Again, the Titans barely beat the Browns in overtime last week. Uh, if you can stop the run against the Titans or slow it down a little bit, I think you're good to go, honestly. Yeah, that's, that's their bread and butter. That's what they want to do. A lot like us. And the Browns showed they... Held them in check, and they weren't able to do any. They scored nine points on the day. It was yeah. a nine-six game. Um, so popping open the pink guava colch right now from <laughs> Old City Brewery. Oh, I gotta finish my beer. But I mean, they really—they've got to get time. I mean, this is a good time for them to just get Marcus Mariota off his feet, let him keep getting healthy, um, maybe try and look back and figure out. What the heck is going on these last few games? Yeah. Um, let's hope they're still left scratching their heads coming out of the bye week. Yeah, let's definitely hope for that. Uh, the Texans, they've traveled to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Oof. This is the real test for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Is Deshaun Watson as good as he has looked? You know, he's looked fantastic, but he really hasn't been tested to stay in the pocket to really have to beat a fantastic defense. Let's see if he can do it. If he if he goes up to Seattle and puts on a show, I think it's time to start buying into the hype. Yeah, I mean, this to me, this seems like the worst nightmare for a rookie quarterback. I mean, you're going to Seattle to play against that defense. The Legion of Boom. My goodness. Yeah. They just signed Dwight Freeney. Interesting. Yeah. They're going to get a little more <laughs> pass rush, man. Little, I like Dwight. A little I don't bit care, more. Man. No, he played it. He's until, been playing well. Until Dwight Freeney. Doesn't have a good season. Yeah. <laughs> I still think he should be signed. So uh, he just keeps getting signed by different teams and keeps putting up sacks. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't see how the Texans are going to be able to win this game, especially losing the, the J.J. Watt and Whitney, Whitney Merciless. Merciless. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. So Let's, let's go Hawks. <laughs> yeah, go Seahawks, man. Colts at Bengals. Both teams are really struggling. Bengals struggling way worse than anyone ever imagined it would that, that they would. Uh, Bengals are two and four. Colts two and five. 
I've been doing some studying on the Bengals, and upon review of their schedule and what has transpired with them uh, this year, I just decided that this is one of those situations where if you look through the schedule and look at all the teams they've beaten and all the teams they've lost to, it gets it makes you more confused than gives you clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat the Bills, who are 4-2, and two, and uh, they played really close with the Packers when Aaron Rodgers was still healthy. Uh, they beat the crap out of the Browns, but then they've had a bunch of stinkers as well. They got the crap beat out of them by the Steelers. Uh, so Bengals are just a confusing team. I would imagine the Bengals should beat the Colts, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any chance. I don't know if the Colts win another game this year, I wouldn't especially be if right. Andrew Luck doesn't come back. The Bengals, to me, are their own worst enemy, especially on offense. Yeah, they're a talented team. They've got talent in the world, but they've got, to me, they're hamstringing themselves by taking their best players off the field. They lost Andrew Whitworth, who was their best offensive or best offensive lineman. They didn't replace him with anybody other than a couple young guys. Yeah, they um, also lost their guard that went over to Cleveland. Yeah, uh, uh, Zietler. Yep. Um, he's one of the best in the business. So their offensive line is just decimated, and it showed in the first in the first few games of the season. Andy Dalton just was uncomfortable and would just bail and not get to step into the throws and not look downfield because he would just feel pressure. Um, they're not getting Joe Mixon the ball enough. They're just getting away from. I don't. I don't know why they're still giving Jeremy Hill the ball. <laughs> yeah, He's, but they, I think they should be able to find themselves against the Colts. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that's one way to fix a lot of remedies. Is just to play. And then that they team. play the Jaguars the following week, so that'll be really interesting. That won't help their offense. <laughs> offensive woes. No, certainly it probably will not. Now let's go ahead and look forward to the rest of the season. Let's look at every game the Jaguars have left on their schedule, and uh, then. Give a rest of the season prediction. Uh, D.D. Westbrook's coming back right before we get to that. Because this is a big factor. D.D. Westbrook's coming back. Should be ready for week nine. Do you think he's going to help transform the Jaguars' passing attack into a from a passing attack that's highly inconsistent to maybe moderately consistent? Or is it going to be difficult for him as a rookie? I think a ju- he's going to have a little bit of trouble just like most wide receivers do especially as a smaller guy adjusting to the NFL um, he's done it he's been the only guy in the offense that you can rely on at Oklahoma um, he's put up insane numbers um, I think he's something that we don't have currently is somebody who can take the top off the defense Um I think he provides a lot of qualities the Jaguars don't have. Yeah. And a steady set of hands, mm-hmm. elite route running ability, yep. elite explosiveness mm-hmm. and speed, and just drop on a dime uh, jukes. I mean, you have the most minor misstep as a defensive back against D.D. Westbrook, <laughs> and it's a big chunk of yardage. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's more than just the passing game. I think instantly he is the punt returner. Yes. Just as soon as he comes back, he should be. If he's not, I'll be disappointed. Absolutely. And yeah, and like you said, I think it should even it should help the offense as a whole if they use him the way I want them to use him. There mm -hmm. are some factors that could limit him playing time, 
uh, conditioning, yeah. like Bortles. I assume he's <laughs> been in the playbook. Uh, but, you know, that's the only reason I could think of him not getting playing time and really is conditioning or not knowing the playbook. I think he's going to be good to go. I think the Jaguars, they might not need to even use him in terms of just feeding him the ball all the time, but get him the ball early in, in some games and make the defense respect what he can bring to the game and just run the ball after that. You know what I want to see? I want to see, again, you're very familiar with this, um, the LSU-Florida game where they did the little wide receiver um, just yes. sweep, just coming across the line of scrimmage, hand the ball right off, right away, and just get to the corner and just try and get upfield. Doing something like that, keeping the pressure out of the middle of the offensive line, I just want to see Listen that. Listen up more. the defense. Yeah. Make them, make them hesitate. You see Marquise Lee come, he comes across and then just sweeps back around. They even ran a trick play off of it. Yeah. Um, so something like that. They're already showing the different kind of motions coming across. I think D.D. Westbrook is a perfect person to incorporate some of those little just jet sweeps. Yeah. Getting to the outside quickly and just making even if you make a linebacker hesitate for a second or or make a false step before committing to the middle just having them question whether make them think yeah whether dd's get they the biggest uh example of this was against the rams the rams defense wasn't having to think the rams defense knew that leonard fournette was going to get the ball in one of the holes and that's all they had to do was focus on the run if you make the other team think about Blake Bortles' legs, mm-hmm. which they need to, in my opinion, worry about D.D. Westbrook getting handoffs or screens or uh, any, any number of things like that, worry about the play action, this is an offense that I believe can do some much better things and be more consistent offense. Plain and simple. Uh, I want Westbrook to be featured heavily. I'm really hoping his conditioning is up, his understanding of the playbook is up, and that he can really just come in and play football. And I think if he can do that, that he can make the Jaguars' passing game more consistent in crucial situations. And and honestly, with him coming back, there's no reason to focus on any one particular wide receiver. No. I mean, no one's jumped off the page at you to say, this guy needs to get the football. Marquise Lee... And wants I mean, to... D.D. might do that. Yeah, Let's not exactly. forget, he absolutely dominated preseason. He was the best wide receiver in the preseason. He was doing it against backups, but the plays weren't close. Yeah. Defenders were not close to D.D. Westbrook on many of the plays, and he was routinely making catches... That it doesn't matter who's covering you, if you're open, he was making catches that, like, specific catches that guys like Marquise Lee have dropped this year. Like, uh, there was one play uh, against the uh, Rams, I believe, where Marquise just dropped a pass. Oh, it was a third down. Uh, that and, was, and it was a, kind of a, he had to yeah. extend his arms towards the sideline. D.D. Westbrook made that play. Mm-hmm. D.D. Westbrook is a special football player, in my opinion. I'm passionate about him because I just I see the talent there. Yeah. I think he's a really special football player, and I think the Jaguars really need to try to feature him as much as they can and just 
Again, make the defense think. So, let's get into some of these games that we're going to be uh, having from here on out. The Jaguars will be playing every week from week 9 to 17. Nine more games left. Let's get into them. Their, first, their next game is against the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Forever teal game. Jaguars are wearing teal. Hopefully all our fans are wearing teal. That's a game the Jaguars are likely going to be favored in. I don't see any way that they're not favored. I mean, if the Bengals blow out the Colts, what do you do? You know? Yeah. It, it, it's still, they're, I think, a three. They would be a three. Yeah, they'd be three team. and four. So I think the Jaguars at home, still the favorite there. Mm-hmm. Easily. Uh, Chargers, that might be a push. Uh, the Chargers have won three straight. They're playing good football. Their defense is tough. They're sacking the quarterback a lot. They've got, you know, some elite cornerbacks. They're one of the teams looking at the schedule that really And it's the Chargers. They always scare you. They beat exactly. the crap out of the Jaguars every year. Philip Rivers. And they really Jones. handed it to the Jaguars last year in San Diego. The year before that, they didn't really hand it to the Jaguars. It was a close game. But the Chargers are on defense coached by Gus Bradley, who's now got some talented pass rushers. He's getting some stuff done on defense. Oh, I hope we... Of course, they don't have a great run defense. So that is something, you know, Leonard Fournette might be able to exploit. (laughs) And that is a home game. Despite the Chargers' recent success against the Jaguars, no matter where they're playing, it is tough for West Coast teams to travel to the East Coast and play early games. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh... The next game at the Browns, obviously, we are penciling a win there. Uh, at Cardinals, that's tough. The Cardinals are three and four. Carson, they do not have a good offensive line. Carson, Carson Palmer's, Palmer's going to be out. Uh, that looks like it should be a win for the Jaguars. And we, all right, everybody, Campbell returning home. We might have a Blaine Gabbert-led Cardinals team. Yeah, it's possible. playing against the Jaguars. And all my hopes and dreams are coming true just saying that. Yeah, that'd be fantastic to see. Just their offensive line is not a good one, mm-hmm. to say the least. So to see guys like Calais returning home to play against them. And, you know, I just really think the rest of the defensive line would be really playing for Calais as well in that game. Mm-hmm. I think that I think I think they'll get that win. Cardinals are not an untalented team, but Without Carson Palmer, I think they're in a bit of trouble there. Uh, versus Colts at home. Last time the Jaguars played the Colts, they won 27-0. to uh, So, yeah, you got a pencil and a win for that. The Colts are pretty hapless at this point. Versus Seahawks at home. Seahawks are a tough team. Russell Wilson's starting to come on. Doug Baldwin's really starting to come on. They've got a hell of a defense, and they just signed Dwight Freeney. I mean, Jaguars might get 10 sacks and still lose that game. Yeah, it, it's that. There's their offensive line's no good. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, it's all it's, it's awful. It might be the worst in the NFL. But that's a tough game right there. That's definitely a tough game. I think most people would have the Seahawks favored. Obviously, if uh, you know things can change a lot between now and then. But right now, I think the Seahawks will be favored for that game versus the Texans in Jacksonville. I think the Jaguars should be favored against the Texans. The Texans have a youthful offense that I 
quite frankly, don't think we'll be able to adjust to the Jaguars' defense this year. One thing that worries me um, are Deshaun Watson's legs. Yeah, but, you know, I I just don't think that athletic quarterbacks are going to be as big of a deal against the Jaguars as they may have been in the past. You know, Miles Jack's chasing them. Telvin Smith's chasing mm-hmm. them. Uh the, the the edge rushers aren't slow, and you know Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson are both fast. Ramsey and Boy are fast as hell. I mean, yeah, it. I wouldn't expect nearly the sack numbers with him in the game, just because Tom Savage is basically a statue. Yeah, yeah but they were getting to Watson too. <laughs> yeah, give him credit. Uh, at Forty ers got to pencil that in as a win, even though it's on the West Coast. Oof. 49ers are really bad. Yeah, who's uh, going to be the quarterback? They started, <laughs> they started playing a lot of close games uh, to start the season, but they've really fallen off lately. And Man, Reuben Foster is such a good football player. Yeah, fantastic. God. Fantastic. And then at Titans, we already talked about this one. This is, <clears throat> even if it doesn't decide the division, which it very well may not, the Jaguars could come out and play much better than the Titans the next nine weeks. But uh, it's a type of game that, for the Jaguars' confidence heading into the playoffs, I think they have to win. I don't know if they will win. But for me, I think that the Jaguars beat the Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, Colts, Texans, and 49ers. So you're looking at 10 wins for me. I think they're going <laughs> to go 10-6. and six. I think they're going to lose to the Chargers, Seahawks, and Titans. Did you look at my list? I did not. <laughs> I'm fighting with this last one. I'm the only reason is because I'm a little nervous picking them to win 11 games. That's crazy. It is. That's but looking else. at the schedule, I mean, okay, maybe anything less than nine wins to me with this schedule is a well, huge. Well, they're already on pace for 9.1 wins. Yeah. So, but even even if if the the schedule is backloaded which it's not you got with this current schedule you have to expect over nine or more like you could nine to eleven wins to me is a hundred percent doable okay so what you got i got ten and six all right that's crazy i have ten and six division champs yeah you know uh i just (laughs) they have the easiest remaining schedule in football they have an amazing defense that's really starting to come together the thing about this defense no one's thinking about. Barry Church, new starter. A.J. Boye, new starter. Miles Jack, new starter. Calais Campbell, new starter. Avery Jones, still <laughs> kind of a new starter because he was not your starter entering last season. This is a team that's still coming together. And the more they play, the more they're going to get comfortable with each other. That's right. God. So 10-6, uh, and 11-5 and is fair. Nine and seven, I guess, is fair. I guess you could say they might lose to the Cardinals or Bengals mm-hmm. or Texans, maybe. But uh, that's where we're at. Ten and six for both of us. Division. Do you think they'll win the division at ten and six? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the Titans' schedule. The Titans still have the Steelers. Um, they have uh, the Rams. They got to play us. Um, they do have the Ravens and the Bengals. Um, they got to play the. Almost a lot of the same people, but a lot of the people we've already played and beaten. Yeah, and you know, Titans are not trending up right now. That can change easily after the bye week. Mariota might get a little more healthy, and uh, Corey Davis might be able to come back there. They've been out without him for, I believe, five weeks. So 
gonna be a hell of a of a division race. It's gonna be the most exciting season that Jaguars fans, regardless of the end result, have had in a while. But for me, and I really do believe this, it's time to put up or shut up for the Jaguars. The Jaguars need to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can always fall back on the crutch of, oh, well, we can add a quarterback in the draft or free agency this offseason or trade for one, and then we're just the quarterback away. <laughs> 20, F, F that. 20 teams in the NFL are just quarterbacks. The Jaguars <laughs> have been, every year, at the end of the year, there's been a you know, bright light that's come in, uh, whether it be draft picks or Tom Coughlin, Leonard Fournette. They're able to woo over the fans again with some offseason moves. Big time free agency spending. It's over after this year, in my opinion. If they do not get to the playoffs this year, it's going to be a tough sell for them next year, even if they add a really good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, this is, we've already been waiting a long time. We see the progress, we see what this defense is. And how many teams in this NFL would die to have the defense that we have? The team's too good not to make it. To squander the small window that we have that all NFL teams wish for would be an absolute travesty. Yeah. And you know, I know they're going to go get another quarterback next year. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that and be happy about it. Mm -hmm. But... That should not be a crutch to fall back on when you don't make the playoffs this year. Regardless, and this is more a to me, I'm taking this more as a call out, a call out to fans. Regardless of what you or me or anyone thought of what was going into the season, things change and evolve on a day to day basis. Right now, we're tied for a division lead. We have the most winnable schedule in the NFL. Expect. With this defense, expect greatness. Yeah. And expect to be able to handle business. And don't settle for, well, we've already won more games than we had did last year. That's an improvement. No. Expect if, more. Improve teams that are just constantly improving in the NFL, they just are constant they're the ones who are always searching, like let's say the Bengals. Yeah. They're always making the playoffs but never really peaking and never really getting Getting anywhere. Don't be satisfied. Yeah, always keep pushing for the best. I want to go win the Super Bowl this year. If that takes us out of position to pick a good quarterback, then so be it. Yeah. Give me, give, me, give me something. I'm with you. The Jaguars need to win. They need to get to the playoffs. And uh, there should be no excuses. Absolutely no excuses. Now, PFF minute before we get to keep one, let one walk. A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey are number one and two in quarterback rating allowed against them. They're just freaks. Yeah. They're awesome. We could talk about them every week. and Just marvel uh, over them. Yeah. Something less obvious. Sheldon Day was the fourth highest graded interior defender by Pro Football Focus this week, which is pretty cool. Hats off to him as you literally take your hat off. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Good for Sheldon Day. I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, I heard... Not naming any names, but I heard people in the media this year talking about Michael Bennett having a better offseason than Sheldon Day. No. I, the, the, the game that Michael Bennett was activated and Sheldon Day was inactive, it, it was such a head-scratcher for me. 
Just just watching, just seeing what he's been able to. Yeah. Sheldon Day and every practice he's participated in, in most of the games he's really gotten a chance to do it. He's had at least one play that where he just pops off the page, where you there's just no denying that that is an elite talent. And then finally, Bortles is the 18th. Highest graded quarterback in 2017, according to Pro Football Focus. He's ahead of guys like Matt Stafford, Phillip Rivers, Cam Newton, Carson Palmer, and Jared Goff. Are we being too hard on Blake Bortles this year? I think he's really being buoyed by two great games. And a combination of that and just not being the focal point of the offense. He certainly isn't. I mean, there's there was two games this year that I can think of off the top of my head where he was an afterthought. Yeah. In the Steelers game, he didn't even he threw one, one pass, pass in the second, second half, half and it was incomplete, and we won by like twenty points. So it's 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 more of being able to rely on him in crunch time and in and important situations. Well, how about relying on the receivers as well? Yeah, they've been inconsistent too. I believe Blake Bortles has the opportunity to prove that he's not a shit quarterback. Yeah. To prove that he is an okay quarterback. And if he can do that, just be an okay quarterback, I think he can take the Jaguars pretty far this year. Yeah. I still think he should be replaced next year no matter what. But Mm -hmm. we're talking about trying to win this year. Yeah. I mean, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. No doubt. I think Bortles is better than Dilfer by a long shot. <laughs> yeah. So, that gets us to keep one let one walk. I know for a fact Scott hasn't seen this yet because I didn't put it on his notes. Two what? Jaguars. Oh yeah, let's get to last week first. So, we had Blake Bortles versus Jacoby Brissett. Pretty obvious. Uh, pretty obvious winner there. Blake Bortles has one of his best games of his career. I just scratched out Jacoby Brissett. I was like, that's Poor not Jacoby. even an option. I watched Jacoby's uh, post-game press conference, and I just, I really liked what he like his attitude about the whole thing. I just felt bad for him at the same time. Yeah. That's Poor just guy. brutal. So, Blake Bortles got the W there. Yeah. All Easy. Right. Keep one let one walk this week is going to be two Jaguars mm-hmm. that play the same position. I, okay. <laughs> All right. 91 versus 56. I was going to say that. I was got? like, it's got to be. Oof. Dante Fowler and Anik Ngakwe. Asked me last year. It wasn't close. Yeah. It wasn't even That's close. why this is really interesting. Man. Let's set the stage a little bit. Unique Ngakwe, as a rookie third-round pick, comes in, sets the rookie sack record for the Jaguars with eight. Uh, Dante Fowler misses his first season with an ACL injury, gets an off-season hullabaloo drama. Basically, people are saying he was officiating his baby mama and his girlfriend fight with <laughs> each other. There's video of it. Then news comes out that he's thrown an old man's uh, liquor bottle in the lake and ruined his groceries and yelled at him and hit him in a parking lot. And Then news comes out he was arrested another time. And then news comes out that he has 14 traffic violations in the last couple years. So there's just this avalanche of negative press for Dante Fowler heading into the 2017 season. All he's done is uh, be top 12 in the NFL in sacks and been a very 
positive player. So, that sets the stage. Unique Ngakwe, who entering the NFL, was thought less highly than Dante Fowler was, obviously, as a third-round pick, but immediately proved himself to Jaguars fans, where Dante Fowler's taking a little bit more time to prove himself, but he's really coming on strong. Yeah, and these guys, they play the same position, but they're so different. Um, Unique Ngakwe is such a technician, and and the way he uses his hands and his body angle is just spectacular. I mean, he makes, and there's certain plays where he makes it's so hard for the offensive lineman just to get your just to get his hands on him, mm-hmm. and then on other plays, he lets you get his hands on you, and then he just chops. Sense of accomplishment. Yeah, he chops your <laughs> arm and then bends the edge, and he's just annihilating your quarterback. And with Dante Fowler, he's just an absolute athletic freak. I mean, if this guy, if they, if these two combine to make a player. They'd be perfect. It would exactly, but might, each of them might be perfect in their own way already. But I would say, okay. If we're talking about building a franchise, I would really have to look, and this is why I'm not a coach. I, I well, if I was a coach, I'd be better educated on this. But it, looking as far as upside, Dante Fowler has so much more upside because if I think learning technique. You can learn that. It might take a long time, and, and it might you might never perfect it, but it is a learned skill. You can't teach talent, like just raw athletic ability. That's and the guy is so powerful. If he ever gets a f- finesse to his game to where he can have moves and counter moves, look out. I mean, this guy might be a terror for offensive linemen. So if I'm building a franchise... It's hard for me to say this because I think Unique is so good, but I think the the potential and upside for Dante Fowler is too much to pass up. Yeah. Because you 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 should be able to think you'd be able to teach somebody how to do something instead of building somebody in a gym. So, so who are you taking? I gotta take Dante Fowler. I think I thought for sure you would take. I him. I did too, but I I'm I'm trying to think of it as a GM. If 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 you ask me right now today who I'm picking, I'm taking Unique. But looking forward and building, I would I I have hope, and I think that he's getting on that path. That I think Dante might start to overtake Unique Ngakwe in the coming seasons. I think that Unique Ngakwe is a better pass rusher and mm-hmm. might always be. Yeah. Not as good in the run. I failed to mention that. Dante, Dante Fowler, Fowler is an excellent is run an defender. Excellent run defender at the defensive end position. And I do mean excellent. Like, really good. Especially for a young guy. He is a developing pass rusher that is getting to the quarterback and is violent yeah. on the football field. He'll kick you. <laughs> Literally, he kicked the ball out of a quarterback's hand, didn't get called for it, and got the forced fumble. So good for him. I'm taking Dante. I'm taking him right now, and I'm taking him next year. I'm taking him tomorrow. Uh, I love Unique Ngakwe, but he is a liability still in run defense. Mm -hmm. Anybody who watches the entire defensive line game tape uh, could tell you that if they're being honest with you. 
you don't hear it a lot this year that he's a liability in run defense, but he is. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Um, does he make plays in run defense? Yes. But does he give up big plays as a run defender? Yes. A lot of times, if you look back and see, take a look at the explosive plays that happen. Look at what you need. Man, there's glaring holes on one side of the offensive line. And it's because Yannick Ngakwe gets upfield, and all the offensive lineman has to do is just turn with him and seal him off. Yeah. And the running back runs That's right a up. Huge hole. Yeah. It's 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 crazy to say. Like I cannot <laughs> yeah. believe that sitting here in week <laughs> going into week eight of the NFL season 2017, both of us are saying we would take Dante Fowler over Unique Ngakwe right now. I, it, and this is absolutely not to say that Dante Fowler or that Unique Ngakwe isn't a great football player. I think he's one of the best young pass rushers in the league. I mean, he is. I, there's no debate about but, it. But I mean, he's one of the best young pass rushers in football. You ask 32 GMs, they're going to look at the athletic ability. And it's going to be too much to pass up. I mean, the, and look the at the fact that he's already a more, not a more complete pass rusher, because he's far from a more complete pass rusher, but he's a more complete player. He's he, providing pass rush. He might be a better run defender than Yannick is a pass rusher. And that might be stretch. That might be a stretch. Might but, be a stretch, but I think when you balance out the two facets of the game, mm-hmm. at this point, Fowler might already be as good as Yannick, and moving forward. I think Fowler has a better shot at becoming a Hall of Famer. And this is just his second year. Yeah. I mean, he's he's progressing. Right. And people, people, I think, people kind of dog Fowler because it's his third year, even mm-hmm. though really it is his second year. He has the same amount of snaps in the NFL. Not literally, but, you know, the same amount of games, opportunities as Unique Ngakwe, and people kind of still view Unique as a younger player when he's really not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're the same in terms of experience. They're the same, and Dante's, both of this season and last season, he was a better run defender. Obviously, Unique was the only bright spot in the pass rush last year, so he was glorified. But you've got an awesome pass rush now that includes both of these guys, and Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson. Uh it's really interesting. I'd love to see what some GMs had to say on this subject because I think they'd probably agree with us, whereas I think most fans would disagree with us. Yeah. But it'd be really interesting to see, no doubt, and it's something we can talk about for hopefully the next 10 years. And it's so it's awesome that we're, we're, we have three players in the top 12 in sacks, yeah. and two of them are still on their rookie contract. And we could lock them down for a long time. And the other one is a 31-year-old free agent that, you know, every single, every single defensive end that the Jaguars have signed over the age of 30 has busted for them. And it might happen to also just be the first time he's ever played for three defensive end. Yes. (laughs) He is literally being given the chance to be a pass rusher for the first time. A true pass rusher, and I and there's a there's a, a tweet that I, I retweeted earlier this week, just showing a breakdown between 
where where his sacks have come from. He's gotten sacks as the defensive end. He's got I think the, it's three different positions. Yeah, right? he's got sacks as the three technique, which is Malik Jackson's position. He's played nose tackle for filling for A.B. Jones and gotten gotten a sack. He, he he moves all over and he just gets it done. It's unbelievable. I never I anticipated him being a good football player when he came here. We all did. I never. I don't like anybody expected this kind of productivity. And no one expected dominance. him to be the best offensive player in football through half the season. And no one expected him to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. And if you have to look at the NFL today and tell me five MVP candidates, if Calais Campbell's not on your list, you didn't do your homework. Absolutely. He's on pace to break the NFL sack record. He's excellent against the run. And he doesn't just get the sack numbers. He gets the pressures and the quarterback hits too. It's not like he's a guy that lands every time he gets a, a pressure. Yeah. Which can be deceiving because, you know, if you get eight sacks and ten pressures, that's really not as good as getting six sacks and 20 pressures. Mm-hmm. Pressures create bad plays, even if they don't get sacks. Yep. He's a guy that's doing it all. And he's a guy that's playing run defense as well. Uh, I think he... I mean, Carson Wentz would beat him right now. Yeah. Just because he plays in Philly. He's a quarterback. They're 6-1. and one, But... If Calais Campbell gets that sack record, that's an MVP right there. Oh. In my opinion. God, could you imagine the MVP of the NFL being a Jaguars player and a defender? Put him in the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Before he retires, just go ahead and put him in the pride (laughs) of the Jaguars. No, but Calais has just been a revelation. I mean, he's been as good as it gets. The best free agent sign we've ever had. And that's through seven games of him being here. Okay. Pump the brakes a little it's bit. It's what? We didn't we didn't draft Mark Brunel, Jimmy Smith, or Keenan McCardo. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've got to pump the brakes a little bit. True. Maybe best True. single season free agent signing ever. Like the season you signed him. Yeah. If he continues... Well, yeah, there's only so much because of his age that he well, you know, can't do. If he do, plays but, like this, he could put... I mean... He doesn't seem any, like he's slowing down. He's yeah. getting better. We've never had an MVP type player here. No. And uh, I mean, Fred Taylor has been an MVP type player. Maurice Jones Drew was too, but it's hard for running backs to win the MVP. It's really hard for pass rushers, but JJ Watt did it with 20 sacks. If Calais Campbell breaks that 20 sack mark, why shouldn't he be right there as well? It's not, yeah, and like you said, he's not a one trick pony. Yeah. He's doing it all. Yeah, he's a special guy. But uh, that's going to do it for our show. Thanks for listening to this hour and a half edition of the Jim Jack Podcast. Uh, as always, presented by Bold City Brewery. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to stop by uh, their downtown location. They've got the Pink Guava Gulch. Kolsch. The proceeds of that beverage go to breast cancer awareness. So please go support that. Uh, you can find us online at ginjag.com. Find Scott at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. Find myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. Uh, Generation Jaguars on Twitter at Generation Jag on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Uh, 
Don't forget, for our next home game tailgate, November 5th, we will be giving away Forever Teal t-shirts to the first 25 people that show up. We're trying to encourage a teal out for that game. Everybody wear teal. Uh, and we're just really looking forward to having another Jaguar home game. The first of five out of seven weeks of Jaguars home games. It's going to be a really fun time for Jaguar fans. Hopefully. Jaguars got to learn how to win at home. Got to do it. Just, just get it done. Just do it. Do it. So, that's going to do it for our show. Thanks for tuning in. Hope everybody has a great Florida Georgia weekend. Uh, if you're going to see any concerts, have a great time and um, enjoy the bye. We've got a lot of work to do coming coming home after the bye. So that'll do it for us. Have a great weekend, Duval. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.